Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Jordan. I'm Jordan too, in the number two, and then also T O O. So I'm also Jordan. Are you trying to say that like like you're like above Jordan, like you're like a little cooler Jordan? Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Knew it. <laughs> Knew it. Uh, but I'm actually Lainey. That's my nickname because I'm also Jordan. This title of this topic, and this is one that I've been researching for a couple weeks. Um, it's my favorite of this batch recording, um, and it's the one that may make me cry. So don't wow, me. Wow, St. Agnes is shaking. Can't believe Oof. you just said that. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, Agnes. Uh, wherever you are, whoever you are, dead soul, you know, stuff. But uh, so this is. I just see on her computer, it just says Greenland. <laughs> That's all I see. It just says, so I guess she's just really passionate about Greenland. <laughs> all right. Spooky, horrid Greenland. <laughs> I didn't expect her to, I didn't expect her to look over. <laughs> You're like a foot away from me. <laughs> Greenland. <laughs> well, since Lainey has said it, our story takes place in Greenland. Oh, time. so it's not about Greenland. It just takes place. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> I was just making sure that, like, I'm, I'm like, looking Greenland's at the right. Greenland's icy. Iceland is green. Yes. 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 Because, yeah, because it is, like, huge amounts of ice. So, like, I wonder why they named it Greenland, actually, now that I think about it. They were it. trying to confuse people. <laughs> no, I think that's really what it was. <laughs> really? I think so, because oh. we're like, oh, well, if people think that Iceland is covered in ice, people won't come here. And if oh. they think Greenland is all green and pretty, they'll go to Greenland. Oh. And so I think they literally did that to confuse people. I could be totally making that shit up. I hope that's true, because but that's a great I plan. I feel like I've heard that from somewhere before. But I that's what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Greenland is, you know, really, really desolate. It's just ice. It's up north. Like, a little bit by Canada. And, I mean, like, the funnest stuff you'll get is ice, snow, and, you know, like... Cold. Cold. It's the year 1894. Okay, 1894. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Did I even say the topic's name? No. Okay, <laughs> so let me tell you the topic's name. I just... We got sidetracked with Greenland. <laughs> it's okay, because that was really funny. The topic today for this week is Minnick and the Iron Mountain. Okay. I don't know what a minic is. Okay, cool. It's someone's name. Okay. And it's actually the main character of our story. Ooh. So Minnick is a seven-year-old boy in 1894 living on the coast of Greenland. He is actually an Inuit. I don't know what that means either. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, Inuits are uh like igloo people. Like oh, okay. Like Eskimos? Yeah. The Inuit's the like official term for like Eskimos. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder why people could start calling them Eskimos. So there's there's little tribes. It's not like a huge collection. There's like small little Inuits groups in this area. And I mean, they're kind of cut off from the rest of the world, if you think about it. Because in 1894, it's like the age of discovery. And yeah. Like a is Greenland an island or is that Iceland? Greenland's an island. Okay. So they really for sure are. Yeah. I, I play that um that Plague Inc. game. Oh, where you oh and you like do the viruses, you know, and then it like spreads throughout the world and you kind of like control like how deadly the virus is and mm -hmm, how detectable mm -hmm. it is and whatnot. And I think it's I think it's Greenland that's really hard to get the virus <laughs> to Greenland because they're so like isolated and like <laughs> how dare you Greenland <laughs> I'm like all right so if there's a virus that breaks out we go to Greenland because yeah. it's also really cold there too and so mm -hmm. viruses have a hard time in extreme weather conditions so Menick is his mom has uh, like passed away two years before this whole story so she passed away in like 1892 so it's just him and his father Kisk Okay. Okay. And they're small, small, small tribe of about maybe 20 people. You know, Minnick, kids in Inuit tribes at the age of six, like, they get bows. Like, they go hunting. They get their own bow. They go out and, like, hunt, travel. Um, and they are aware of this little tribe that there are other people, kind of like other civilizations. Okay. So they're they're not like we're the only civilization. They they know that there's other people out there. They know that there's other people out there because one day 
in May of 1894, uh, Minnick is kind of off the coast of Greenland, just kind of like playing in the water, like, you know, doing like seven-year-old stuff. Playing in the ice. Kind of like fidgeting with stuff. As one does. You know, probably looking at his like kid friends like, watch me do this and like jump up and down like 10 times. Look what I can do. (laughs) (laughs) And they stop. And Minnick's like, guys, you're not watching me. Guys. Guys. And they're not like paying attention to him. They're just kind of like mouth open agape. So he turns around to see what they're looking at. And they see this monstrosity of a ship just pulling in. Oh, so that's like their first ever seeing something like that. Oh, my God. Imagine. Like, oh. And they have no words. Kisk kind of is like off. Not like right with them, but it's like a little bit off in the area. There's nothing really blocking his view of Minnick because, again, ice everywhere. So it's not like really hard to have a visual. And Kiss thinks to himself, white men are coming. So they're okay. So I'm guessing like their parents told stories of like the white, the white man. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's not good. (laughs) And that's not good. So Kiss hearing um, the kids being like, ooh, ooh, what is this? Whoa, it's so much bigger than like our kayaks and like the stuff that we use. And like, what, what, what is this? And he sees like people up there and Kiss goes over and gets Minnick and his friends and says, get back to the village now. And they're they're like hustling kind of back to their village. Uh, they put all their stuff down and Kiss goes, tells the other adults, white men are coming. Hide the furs, hide the tools, hide everything. Because you know what they do and you know how they are. We just, as long as we're polite and we just kind of like don't do or say anything, they won't do stuff to us. So the village gets ready for these unknown visitors. And Mink is kind of like, he's really intrigued. He, he like wants to know what, because he's never personally seen a white man. He's never, he's heard stories. He's heard about like the multiple times, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago of these men coming um, and doing horrible things. And so he's waiting with the crowd and people get off this giant boat. They're in kind of like knockoff Inuit clothing. So like the big like fur hood and they're like tightly Mm -hmm. bundled and they got snowshoes and they're kind of just like walking and it's not really snowshoes. It's kind of like it helps you stick onto the ice a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. So they're walking up to this village and a man comes with someone that looks just like Minnick a little bit. And Minnick's like, what? They're They're not the white men. Like there's one white man and a few white other men. But who's that guy? And this man comes up and he gets his gloves and he says something to this other Inuit man. And it's just like talking, talking. Minnick doesn't understand him. He's speaking something and doesn't quite get it. And then this man turns to Minnick and the whole tribe and says, this is Lieutenant Perry. Lieutenant Perry is a adventurer who works for the natural museum or the Museum of Natural History in New York City. And he is kind of here to uh, request some help and just kind of like get to know you guys and, you know, learn more about you. Kisk and the rest of the adults don't trust him. I mean, you we've we've all heard stories about, sadly, how those in white power have treated others that are different. Now, these villagers know that when white men come, they are like, they're like snakes in human form. Like they're very. They're a sheep or they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. Like they're very, they seem nice. These visitors. They have an ulterior motive. Absolutely. But it's it's May and they just kind of are like hesitant. So they don't right away let them in. The Inuit translator keeps trying to like match, you know, stuff. Um and a few weeks go by. So now we're in June of 1894 and they get closer. The village is starting to bond with Robert. Um, they find him very charismatic. And he, this is the white one of the white men? It's the white man. Yeah, the main one, the one who's leading this expedition. Um, they hear. This, I heard you say sexpedition. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. Ooh, Robert, naughty. Expedition. Robert is like, in, like enchanting them with his like traveling tales. So he he goes like once a year, travels to like these foreign places and actually brings back artifacts to the natural, um, the Museum of Natural History. 
Um, he also uh, tries to go to the North Pole and reach it. Oh, God. But he fails a lot. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 1894. Exactly. It's, it's like, oh, man, that's kind of, that's hard. So by the time it's like July, so this is two months after Robert first appear. And now at this time, the village and Robert, it, they're really chummy. Like they're like they're good friends. They talk about Robert's telling them these things that they have in this place called America um, of just tools and these things in New York called like skyscrapers are starting to build. And um, it's like right at this big scientific leap in America. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of just like, wow, this doesn't even sound Is real. This, this isn't during the Industrial Revolution, right? That was later on. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit more on. It's like, but it's like on the path. Like we're starting to obviously, people are getting more intelligent and creative and creating things and and all that crazy yeah. shit. It's a turn of the century. It is the turn <laughs> of the century. It's like big things. I mean, like Indiana Jones. That's like a job in this time. God, imagine if your job is Indiana Jones. Imagine scrolling through Indeed and seeing a job posting for Indiana Jones. I want that back. Please bring it back. But like that's that's like what Robert's job was. Like he would be hired by museums to go explore. Um, you do have to be very well versed in like history and what you're oh, looking for, sure. for. Languages, intelligence, Abs charisma. Oh, yeah. You have to be very charming. Um, and so in July, at the very beginning of the month, Robert is sitting with Kisk and Minnick and they're talking and they're chatting and Robert kind of just like looks at them and like the devil's smile pops mm. up on his face and he says, uh, hey, can I see your knife? And Kisk is like, sure, mm -mm. and hands him his knife and he's like looking at it and he's like, well, wow, this is such a nice knife. Where did you get this from? And Kisk says, oh, um. Well, the handle is made from bone mm -hmm. because there's no trees around here. Uh, so they have to actually, like, take bone and, like, make tools. Yeah. Uh, but the top part is is from this place that we go once a year called Iron Mountain. And Robert just kind of, like. Ooh, Iron Mountain. Ooh. And, you know, Robert puts his hands together and just, like, kind of leans in. It's like, tell me more about Iron Mountain. And see, Robert didn't just happen to come across this tribe. Oh, he knew. He knew. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is by chance. And just like this group had said, white men come really nice, but they're after something. Robert had come to kind of like on a failed expedition. So he was trying to find Iron Mountain. He was trying to find. So he already knew what Iron Mountain was. No one has. It's been talked about. So Like a myth. It's like a myth, yes. So about in 1818, this uh, naval officer. Um, and oh, so 1818. So we're like years, like 80 years. Prior. Yeah. Okay. 80 years prior is where the, the talks of Iron Mountain first pop up. Um, this uh, naval officer randomly kind of like stops in that area. And as they're just making a pit stop to go, one of the medics on the ship was talking to the translator to the Inuits and had noticed the Inuit's tools. And um, is it like an advanced tool? Kind of, yeah. Uh, so, or was it just like something made out of some kind of material that, like, where did you get that from kind of thing? It like had you're iron. In the ice. Oh, okay. Oh my God. Okay. Done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, no, it had iron on it. And so the medic, his name's like Alexander. He's like, so that's worth some money, isn't it? It is. And they're also like, we've been all over, like, Greenland. Where, where did you where get that? Where the fuck is this iron coming from? So he looks at the Inuit and is like, where did you get that from? And the Inuit's like, oh, um, and he tells the translator, we found nails off the ocean and we took those nails and we made it into like a knife. And the medic doesn't believe him. Mm -hmm. he, he like looks at the, the iron and says, that can't be shaped from a nail. This wasn't a nail before. Mm -hmm. This is like you took it off of something. I don't believe you. And, like, the Inuit's kind of, like, pausing, and uh, he says something else to the translator. And the translator explains, there's been a miscommunication error. When we said nails by the water, uh, we don't actually mean nails. That there's, there's a place we go to, and there's, there's, like, we call it Iron Mountain. And they want, like, the, the medics, like, 
well, can we go see it? I, I would like to see this. And the Inuits won't take them. Yeah. They're like very like hush hush. We know what you're going to do if we take you to this. Like you're going to take it. And they've been doing this and going to this source for hundreds, like, like of so long, like, like other ancestors, like other groups. A lot of people go to this thing. Mm -hmm. So because of that tale in 1818, word spreads fast in that like Indiana Jones job field. Yeah. And other travelers have traveled to Greenland to befriend that specific tribe to kind of figure out what is this Iron Mountain thing they're talking about. And none have been except like successful except for Robert. Robert. Now, Kisk and Mink, uh, Minnick, don't know that that's actually his intention. Because mm -hmm. they also brought along someone that looks like them. them. So yes. they're like, oh, he is a friend. Mm-hmm. He's one of us, or he at least respects us. And he respects him enough to talk to us. And, yeah. you know, he's been here for two months. He's eaten food with us. He's told us tales. He's We've, a brother at this point now. He's a brother. But Robert had done all of that, manipulated the whole situation to put himself in that place to go of to that. Mm -hmm. So Kisk and Minnick are like, sure, we'll take you. Um, it's going to be about an 11-day hike. Jesus. And Robert's like, Wow. He, and he's like, okay, but you can't tell anybody about this. And then he's like, okay, I promise. So They said that to Robert? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, sure. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Robert gets ready for he's excited, and he tells everybody kind of that came with that ship, his little crew, be on standby. I don't know what I'm going to go find, but it's going to be something big. I can oh, feel so it. they didn't want Robert telling his crew or yeah. anything. They're like, we're just going to take you, you and you alone to this place. And it was just... Kisk and Minnick. And those are the only two that would go with him. So just the three of them are... Okay. Yeah. And the translator. Okay. Um, Which is the guy that looks like them. the tribe. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's kind of like their main way of communicating. I mean, you know, Robert can't really speak their language that well. And they obviously don't know English. Yeah. So they start this hike. And on the way there, they're just... You know, kind of just making small talk. I mean, what do you do when there's... Yeah. 11 days of hiking. And ice... <laughs> can't even look at stuff. It's so, just, I spy something white. Ice? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, okay. I spy something white. Is it ice? Oh, you got me. God, we're so <laughs> fucking good at this game. So good. <laughs> uh, and so in one of these conversations, Robert's like, hey, Kisk, um, Iron Mountain, like, how, how did your tribe come upon this? And Kisk just shrugs his shoulders and it's like, it's all, we've always gone there. Um, my father before me went and his father and, um, you know, for, Which for has been passed down through generations to generations. And so he's like, oh, is it like just you guys? And he goes, N no, uh, there are other tribes that are around here that aren't, you know, with mm -hmm. us. Uh, and they go there sometimes too. And he goes, wow, this must be like really big. Uh, if you're getting hundreds of yeah. years worth of iron, uh, you know, whoa, this might be the jackpot he's yeah, thinking. Seriously. So they're kind of making, you know, five days have passed, six days have passed. Finally, they get to like day 10, you know, 11, and they're finally like almost there. I bet Robert's either used to this or I would be over it. I'd be like, all right, day eight, let's go home. It's not worth it. I'd be like, oh, it's an 11 day hike. Oh, that's 11 days too many. <laughs> I can't. That's if I can't get there in one hour, I'm out. <laughs> I need instantaneous transportation. So as they're walking up, he sees these three black circular things like in the distance. And he's like, well, what is that? And they're getting closer and closer. And Minnick and Kisk aren't that weirded out by it, nor is the other Inuit man. So Robert, as they're getting closer to this thing, you know, they're getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, now he's like maybe just like half half like a living room away mm -hmm. and realizes this isn't a mountain. Oh, no. What is it? It's not even an iron vein. What the fuck? He's looking at three giant meteorites oh shit that have been stuck <gasps> into the ice what mm -hmm. that's a plot twist of the century isn't it what the fuck imagine robert like what the fuck <laughs> and he is like what the fuck 
and Kisk and Minnick and the, so they must be fucking huge. They are huge. And there's a small one to the left. There's a big one in the middle, and there's another small one on, to the right. And the big one in the middle is a little bit more angular, and it has um, uh, atmosphere compression marks on it. What the fuck? But the other two have kind of been rounded out a little yeah. bit and softened. But they're they're like butts are stuck underneath the like ice. They like fit really snug. And Robert's like. I know for a fact, without any doubt, that I am looking at meteorites. This did not, this is, they, it, from where we're at, where this yeah. area is, there is no. And they're black. And so they're, now they're like, I spy something black. Meteorite. Oh, my God. <laughs> Robert freaking out is like, this is the discovery of the century. Yeah. This, the middle one this is. This is space. Space rocks. She just hit her mic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was excited. But also, the Inuits have been using tools with, like. With meteorite shit. I don't know what it's called. Space tools. Space tools. Space tools. Space freaking tools. And he's telling, like, Kisk and Mink, like, or Minnick, oh, my gosh. Guys. These are fucking, this is crazy, dude. You don't even know what you guys have been searching for or looking at yeah. all these years. Like, what the fuck? Like, whoa. And they kind of just give They're him like, the crazy right. look. And they're like, okay. Because, like, Kisk to it's, him. It's Iron Mountain. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's Iron Mountain. Kisk is like, what? Wait, wait, hold on. You're telling me that you're that these routes came from the sky and they just. Oh, he's trying to explain it to them? Like, dude, this. This rock, sky, meteorite. <laughs> like, boom, like space. And they're like, <laughs> we think Robert's been like delirious. And <laughs> the uh, cold has gotten to him. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe something's up. And, you know, Robert is like, guys, you do not understand what this is. And he basically, using his charm, using the kind of leeway he has with them, he's like, oh my gosh, we need to bring this back. We need to study this. And he's like, uh, what what can we do? And now these these Inuit villagers are like, uh-oh. Well, what do we do? <laughs> like, yikes. Um, that's our supply. Like, in that area, you know, think about trying to cut food with bone. Yeah. They need strong, especially if it's cold. <laughs> and it's, like, the only supply for multiple tribes. Yeah. So they make the 11-day trip back. Like, you can take my knife. <laughs> Study my knife. Take my knife. Yeah, why didn't they offer him the knife and just be like, take it? Oh, God. So crazy. But there's there's also, like, a dark side to being an Indiana Jones person. Well, yeah. <laughs> you Greed. Greed. So much money can be made. Museums, scientists at that time, I would be like this. I don't want to get off my butt and go explore places. Yeah, fuck that shit. Like, yeah. I have to, you're telling me I have to take a ship for like three weeks to get to a cold island. I have to befriend them for two months. Then I have to take an 11 shrimp, 11 shrimp, <laughs> <laughs> an 11 day, 11 day trip to this mountain. And then I discover it's not a mountain. It's a fucking meteor. And then I have to take another 11 day trip back to the thing, convince these motherfuckers to take it back, get on a ship, go back to my country. Meanwhile, smallpox is running. <laughs> <laughs> so many diseases. You know what I mean? Like that is exhausting. It's like, I'll just be in the kitchen cooking food. <laughs> I feel that. I, I'm like, I'm exhausted just hearing it. And, um, that's some determination, though. That is. And I think really what's driving him is money. But also, what the fuck else are you going to do with your time? Because back then they had no video games. They had no television. They mm -hmm. had no movie. I mean, I guess they had, well, no, not really movies. They, mm -hmm. they didn't really have anything to do. So it's like, do you want to sit and stare at your wall for the next six months? Or would you want to go on this adventure? I guess I'd be like, adventure. all right, I guess, I guess I'm going to go on this adventure. At least if I die, I'm dying doing something exciting yeah that is true yeah i mean, so like, have to think of it that way uh um and that you know what that probably also explains why people are so into scientific discoveries mm -hmm. and so into it working for the museum of natural history in new york he's really good friends with this anthropologist robert is okay with this anthropologist named franz bose franz franz bose is anthrop anthropology is not the study of bones right is it I think, isn't paleontology the study of bones? That, yes, I think that's the study of bones. Anthropology, I think, is the study of civilization. 
Oh, that would make sense because Dr. Bose asked Robert, hey, during your trips, um, I know you like use Inuits as guides and translators. Can you like convince one to come back like for the winter Mm -hmm. and like we we can like study him and like talk to him and um, do whatever? Only if you can, like a little side thing. So Robert now in July in 1894 in that moment is like, I can't. Okay, yeah. Anthropology is the study of human societies and cultures. Ooh. I got a C in that class in college, so don't ask me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So he convinces the group to not only help him remove the meteorite, I don't – the way they removed it is I I quite don't understand fully myself. They describe this meteorite – it's not that it's large. It's, like, really dense and – It's thick. It's thick. It's, it's a thick boy. It's especially thick. It's super thick. Look like a C. It's, a, it's thick. And they like use logs to kind of like roll it off. Okay. To the ship. Are there pictures of this? Yes. Oh my yes. god, I can't wait to fucking see this. I've been like, oh my god, pictures, pictures, pictures. I'm like it's night. It's 1894. Photography was around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for yes. Sure. Yes. Um, we'll post this to our um, our Instagram page as well because I'm. I'm I'm so curious to see if like my like vision that I'm having of this is matching, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, so this is the doodle from a doodle, uh, Robert Peary's trip when. Oh, okay. He's so just, they're not they're not like I'm picturing like these like round things. The two to the side, so there's three. The one in the middle is the biggest. The two to the side have been whittled down throughout hundreds of years of Inuits making tools. Yeah, off of yeah, them. yeah. So they must have been large so all of them must have been large absolutely and like it, it's such a huge deal on robert's ship because like how did they get there like oh my gosh they must have been huge afterwards there must be more in the area oh yeah like what are the chances that there's only three um and plus it's like cold like right it's icy it's so icy. there's probably some shit these are like where they were kind of somewhat like sitting over here. No, not that apart. But like there's like, no, that's not it. There's like a picture where you can see above where they used to sit. Yeah. And they removed it. But it's like slowly gone. Because I'm sure it's like dented in the ground. And, it, and it's been there for like. Hundreds of years. Hundreds, hundreds, hundred years. Um, and there's probably some that are like buried underneath all the ice. That's that Jesus big middle one. Christ. Imagine moving that. That's it's, huge. And there she's, she's showing me a picture. Again, we'll post this to the Instagram page. Mm-hmm. But it's just this large brown rock and like it's it's insane so you you do need a group of people to move this for sure absolutely and not only is it large in scale but you know that shit is heavy super heavy they they do get managed to bring it back though um it takes 11 days obviously because that's how long it takes to get there um and they wind up kind of start to get it load up the inuits i don't think are happy that it's going i feel like they're oh shit we're in too deep like Okay, I guess you can take it. All right. Because it's also scary white man. Yeah. Scary white man does scary things when you tell him no. Um, and especially sometimes those from America at the time yeah. kind of are a little bit – they're 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 horror tales. So Robert, knowing that he can't just ditch these guys. He can't just leave They're them. They're like, all right, peace out. Got your got your iron. Bye. Like deuce. He's he's created this elaborate lie, this facade of I'm your friend. They're gonna help me. What if I need to come back here sooner? Yeah. What if uh, you know, like how can I get these people to stay? Because I can get more money too if they come with me. So he gets an idea. Give me the child. Kisk, how about how about you and um some of your friends come with me to America? Oh God. Come with me to America and help me. And you know what? I'll show you what I've been talking about, all those crazy tales that I've been telling you. Um, and I'll I'll give you tools to replace what what the, the supplies that you're losing. These tools won't break like yours. They're super sturdy. And you'll be back within the year. So by this time next year, you'll be home and you'll be fine. The village takes some time to talk about it because the ones that he wants to go are Kisk. Minnick, one little family of three, and like this, like kind of loner guy. Mm-hmm. And these, some of those adults are the head honchos of this village. Oh, so like without them, our 
village may collapse. Exactly. Especially, you have to think, too, like, if the news got around that that tribe was responsible for their supply going bye-bye. Oh, man. The other villages are like, attack, you know? And They'd be so mad. Like, oof. And that, and I bet, like, some people made that trip and found them missing. Like, what? Like, what the fuck? Where is our meteor or yeah. Iron Mountain? Oof. But he, he convinces them, and Kisk doesn't want to leave Minnick alone. Yeah. Because oh, his mom died. That's right. Yeah. And they, and they do everything together. Kisk is Minnick's best friend and oh, vice versa. Babies. They do everything together. And, like, I mean, Minnick looks up to his dad so much. So this group of six Inuit tribe men basically just say, okay, one year. You have one year to bring us back. You are responsible for us. Mm -hmm. We get tools and we want food. We want like lots and lots and lots and lots of food. Lots of stuff. Okay. Yeah, Take the for meteor for, for what you're making us do. That's, I think, a fair exchange. And he agrees. But this is just the beginning of this really sad tale. Oh, my God. And Robert Peary ruins the livelihood of not only that whole village, but Minnick and Kisk. So... It's now August, and they're on the ship, and they are almost to Boston. Okay. Okay. And Kisk is just like, my outfit's hot. It's hot. <laughs> Why is it so hot here? And his, like, other tribe You've men— You've never experienced warm weather before. No, never. So they're like, uh, it's humid. What is this? Why is the air sticky? And Robert's like, oh, well, it's because, like, you know, water's on the air— and one of the Inuits just kind of like looks over to their tribe members like, Robert's acting crazy again. <laughs> he says there's water in the air. Okay. Okay, Robert. <laughs> now, Minnick is is impressed with the people on the boat's clothing. He kind of like keeps inspecting it. He's like, why is it so thin? And they're like, well, it's because we're hot. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, how do you defend yourself? Well, we don't. And he's like, what? There's no need. And he, he gets tired of kind of talking to this translator. So he's like getting more curious and curious. And as the boat's approaching Austin, there's a huge crowd Austin? of people. Or not Austin. Boston. I was like, Austin's in the middle of the um, <laughs> the state. I don't think it's a port city. <laughs> Wham! But <right> okay. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> the boat is just like. <laughs> That's fun. Bob episode when he delivers <laughs> yeah. the pizza. It's just like. Ah. <laughs> Uh, so the, the boat is porting up into Boston and crowds, thousands of people have flocked because, um, a news article at the time had released saying that the great explorer Robert Peary has found something from space. And so people are wanting to come see space rocks, mm -hmm. but the space rocks don't catch their attention. The Inuits do. Oh, it's like, wow, these different looking people. Like, it, you know, they're like very, very dark skin. Mm -hmm. um, their, their skin's a little bit more weathered out just because of the area they're living in. And their hair's like pitch black. Mm -hmm. And their eyes are very, very dark. dark. Yeah. And a lot of the clothing that they're wearing are like, it emphasizes their hair color a, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so like there are crowds of people up against the boat. And Robert's like, oh, you guys can see this meteorite in a little bit. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, shut up, Robert. Who are these people? Like, who, who are they? What are they? He's like, what do you mean? I brought this space rock. And they're like, shut up, Robert. We want to know about these people. He's like, but the rock. And they're like, Robert. <laughs> people. And um, he doesn't let the Inuits go off. He's a little bit mad that no one's like up in arms about like him. Praising him. Like, wow, you're so smart and found this rock for us. He's so amazing. Like, oh so my like, God. But the people. So they only are briefly starting there because their en route is reaching the Museum of Natural History in New York City. So Boston's little area, the word gets around and word travels to New York before they're even there. And like news um, papers are releasing Oh, Robert Peary is going to be coming in soon in the the like the port of like New York, uh, and he's bringing a meteorite, one of we think is the largest to ever be discovered, and he's bringing a group of six Inuit members 
you can pay five cents to come like see them is what they're saying sold 20,000 people show up holy shit and it is it's i mean that group is treated like celebrities and as they're docking into new york minick thinks he's in heaven he sees these like giant buildings people are dressed in like unique outfits but they have like these these inventions and tools and nothing like he has ever seen in his life the giant ship was just the tip of the iceberg of this this unknown world to Minnick and Kisk. So they dock. People kind of just are like looking at them. Minnick doesn't understand anything they're saying. He's just like, whoa. The adults are a little bit like, mm, interesting, like wow, intoxicated off the sounds of New York City in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They help transport this to the museum and they meet with anthropologist Franz Bose. He talks to them. He welcomes them, realizes they don't understand him. Um, No shit. (laughs) The translator is still kind of with him, but the translator, like, goes with Robert a lot. So he doesn't stay. And I think that's really shitty that— They're the ones that need your translating. Yeah. Um, Robert says, all right, guys, you wait right here in the lobby of this museum. I'm going to talk to Dr. Franz Bose. Um, and I'll be right back. So they're waiting in this little museum. And Minnick is going and looking at, like, the exhibits. Um, can't read, obviously. But he's just like, like whoa. Like, wow. Like, these are things kind of like what we do. But they just look different a mm-hmm. little bit. And about, like, an hour passes. Then two hours. He doesn't come back. He's just like, peace out. Robert never comes back for them. What the fuck? What Robert did was is that he received $84,000. For that meteorite. In that year's money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's see how much that is right now. So 84000 Holy fucking shit. Oh, I don't know. How much would it be? How much would it be <laughs> today? It would be worth $3 million something dollars. Jesus. Damn. He got $3 million basically for that. Oof. Yeah, Robert leaves, takes the money because that's been his plan the whole long so time. The and also the money that they charged to see them and everything went to Robert. That went to Robert too. Mm-hmm. What an asshat. And this was his like when he agreed to take them back, he knew he was gonna ditch them the second he got back. Like, what the fuck? Why why bother taking them to begin with? Money. Oh my god. He's like a selfish dick. Yeah, he makes me mad. Um, so after like a day, like the museum closes and the, <laughs> just like, all the, right. the curator's like, what do we do with them? Um, and so they kind of make like a living space, uh, at, like in the basement of the museum for them to stay for a little bit. So later the next day, they're still hoping this little group, Kisk and the five others are hoping that Robert is going to come back sometime soon because he wouldn't do that to us right yeah like there's no way like we've known him for months like how could he do that to us the curator at the museum realizes this could be a fantastic new exhibit (sighs) with people with people oh no so they start constructing a new arctic exhibit oh my fucking god so this is arctic like a human zoo exactly like a human zoo like the penguin area that they you see penguins in? Exactly but with, that. But with people from the Arctic. That's so disgusting. It is so disgusting. So within the week, the Museum of Natural History debuts its new Inuit exhibit where you can come and pay money to see live Inuits in their actual environment. Well, I hate to break it to you. That's not their actual environment because they're not home. No. Kisk and that group kind of got tricked into that room. They like lured them in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they get in there and about after a day or two of this exhibit opening has passed, the adults know what's going on. The adults know that they've been betrayed, that Robert is not going to come back. And now they're stuck in New York like animals. In an exhibit. Minnick doesn't realize that they're in an exhibit because he's got stuff from home. So Minnick is actually like playing in the fake snow. Oh, baby. And is like, 
where's the other stuff though? Like where's the animals? And he's like playing with balls and they don't want to break it to Minnick and tell him yeah. anything. So they just keep but it. But let you be happy and we'll worry about it because you're a sweet baby angel. Because you're so sweet. The only thing that Minnick can notice is that there's people that are like over this other side of this little like fence bar area that can like watch Look, him. Yeah. And he can't really hear what they're saying or anything. He just tries to like ignore them mostly. Yeah. By the time it's October, um, a few of the members have gone sick. Two have already passed away now from typhoid. Oh my god. Um, the one of the last of the groups somehow he's able to like get out like he makes a deal i don't know what that deal was so one member got to go and yeah. leave so now it's like kisk minnick and like one other person so there's only three of them left out of the six there's only now three the one of the three passes away so now it's kisk and minnick oh my god so that really big group that was in that exhibit has now like dwindled down to just kisk and minnick and Minnick's like, at least I have my daddy. Uh-oh. I don't like where that's going. The next day, Kisk isn't feeling so great. And the people at the time in that museum kind of weren't so fully aware that taking people from these, like, small, isolated areas to big, populated yeah. areas. More diseases, more immunity issues. And it's fall. And it's fall. In New York, where people get sick all the time. Yeah. And, and they're the, also not used to the changing of the seasons either because they're basically just used to cold. <laughs> yeah, like, like below freezing temperature yeah. cold. So um, Minnick is like trying to take care of his dad. And uh, Kiss gets worse and worse until finally um, he's on his deathbed. And like Minnick's crying and like holding his hand. And Meanwhile, he, fucking people are watching this. And people are watching. <laughs> so disgusting. Imagine, like, watching that and, like, not thinking anything's wrong with it. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. Um, Minnick's like, Daddy, don't leave me. Baby. Like, Daddy, like, I, I don't know these people. I don't know what they're saying. I, like, I don't want to be alone. Everyone else has left. I don't know how to get home. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to totally be okay. We're going to we're gonna get out of this. Like, don't leave me. Baby. Um, I'm going to cry. It's sad. It's so sad because he has no one. He has no one. And he's like eight years old. No, he's seven. He's still seven? He's still seven. Kisk dies. Ugh. Yeah. He winds up passing away from typhoid. And uh, Minnick is all alone in New York City because of stupid Iron Mountain. So Minnick at the time... Doesn't have any place to go. He's seven. He's little. No one can take him. Um, so one of the curators adopts him. Oh. And he becomes Minnick Wallace. Minnick Wallace. Minnick Wallace. Thank God for the... Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to hold off on saying thank God because people are evil. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to... I'm going to say that he, he adopted him for his own selfish greed. I think they probably felt responsible. Yeah. They absolutely did. As you should, you yeah. know. Absolutely. Um, now, Minnick is, like, freaking out now. Like, his dad has just passed, and um, they want to take his dad's body away. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're, we're going to go bury him. And he's like, no, you're not. No, because you don't know how to bury it our way. Oh, yeah. We have to, we have to bury him the right way. So this whole museum gets together and they let Minnick perform this ceremony to bury his dad in the garden next to um, this museum. And it's, you know, like they have this body like wrapped in like cloth and they lower it and he's, you know, doing his, you know, funeral rites and all of that. And Minnick is satisfied. Yeah. At least they did that. Yeah. And he goes to live with Wallace and um, the family. He has a you know, a half, like, his adopted brother. Yeah. Um, and his dad, William Wallace, and, you know, his new mom is, they're great. He oh, they are? They're actually really great to okay, him. Okay, good. He likes playing with his brother. Um, he learns English, like, quick. Mm -hmm. um, is able to, he excels at school. Um, he actually was the 
like he was the favorite to win the ice skating championship in 1905 at the school. Oh my god. He was so athletic and everybody loved him. They knew he looked like different from mm-hmm. them, but they loved him. Um he tripped, got third. Oh baby. But, you know, it it was just so incredible to these people around them that this kid was adapting so fast. Yeah. So a news article kind of does a story about it. And it, it like goes out. Me Minnick doesn't really know about it, but it goes out. One day in school, he's just sitting at his desk doing some work. It's been years since the whole, you know, Greenland trip yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, his dad passing. But, you know, he's feeling good. He's feeling great. And he hears, like, some whispers around him. And there's, like, a group of girls, like, chit-chattering. Mm-hmm. And he hears uh, one of them whisper to the other girl, I heard Mink stares at his dad's bones all the time when he's in the museum. I hear that he actually was there when they got the bones to the museum. And Minnick's like, what the heck? Uh, And he's like, that's, why are they talking about me? One of his good friends, mm, I'm trying to think what his name is. I think think his name is actually also Robert. Ew. It had three names to choose from back then, so. <laughs> Robert comes up to Minnick, and Minnick's like, hey, are we going to go to the park afterwards and practice for um, next year's ice skating champ? And he goes. Eat, love, ice skate. <laughs> um, hey, Minnick, my mom says I can't hang out with you anymore. And he's like, why? And, he, you know, this boy pauses and just with a sigh says, my mom thinks it's really weird that you play in the museum where your dad's bones are displayed. Okay. And then it's like, what are you talking about? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Because he doesn't go play in the museum, right? And his dad's bones aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of like gets his stuff together because he's starting to feel sick and, you know, thinks to himself, I'm just going to maybe go home early. And as he's walking out, people are staring at him and more chatter. I heard Mink is so savage that he killed his father himself. I heard what Mink, um, you know, wanted to play with the bones himself. I hear he whispers to it sometimes when he's sad. And he just, at this point now, is sprinting out of the school and does not know what they're talking about. He thinks it's crazy. And how could they say these, like, really random, horrible things about it? Yeah. Um, as he's kind of, like, walking down, like, the street, there's a newspaper stand with the article about Minnick. Okay, so he can read English and stuff, and he's like, oh, hey, this is about me. This is me. So he grabs it, and he's reading, and it's like, oh, like the group of six people of the Inuits, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, they died, okay, okay. Oh, the boy is thriving. And they took the bones, defleshed them, and put those same members up in the museum as a display. <gasps> Oh, my God. And Minnick throws the paper Because they had a whole entire, like, burial for him, too. Mm-hmm. So Minnick's like... How... Like, I would feel so sick to my stomach. He... There's, like, a rock in his stomach. Because he's thinking about all that. And it's, like... be livid. He's like, this is not true. And he runs all the way he can, like, stopping, catching his breath, like, to the museum. Um, he's like... Because his dad's the curator there, by the way. His adopted dad. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. So his adopted dad, that's why people were like, I heard like Minnick plays and like looks at his dad's bones because Minnick does go there a lot because his dad yeah, runs yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So the admission person at the front's like, hey, Minnick. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> where's my dad? Like, where's my adopted dad? And he, you know, the person's like, oh, he's in his office. He's like, where's that? Where's the exhibit? Where's that Arctic exhibit? You guys still have it? And they're like, yeah, it's where it's always been. Because Minnick kind of didn't like to go in that area anyway. trauma for him. Especially, yeah. Um, So he is running past the little spinning doors. He's going into the corridor. And he sees that these are like, there's like these weird outlines of figures in the thing. And as he gets closer, he just falls to the floor because... There are, there are these skeletons that are in there, and there's this one specific skeleton that has a chipped tooth. Oh, it's his dad. And he remembered the, the day his dad chipped that tooth. Oh, my God. And uh, like a volcano erupting, a whale escapes him. And he just starts, like, sobbing and crying on the floor, like, oh, my God. 
are you kidding? Like, this is not real. He's just wailing. And, you know, William Wallace hears this. Here's mm-hmm. this wail. People are looking and just hear wailing. And uh, he comes running down and he gets to him. He's like, Minnick, Minnick, what's wrong? Like, what, what what's going on? Are you hurt? Are you something up? And he just says, you lied to me. He goes, that's my dad, isn't it? You took my dad and put him on display? God. Are these the other people? Are these my other tribe members that died? And his adopted dad nods. Jeez. And then reveals what actually happened the day of the funeral. That body they lowered was not kicks at, or kisk at all. It was logs bounded together with a face mask. What? And they wrapped a cloth around it. And they did it just to make Minnick happy. Oh, my God. They didn't want to lose the actual bone specimen that they could study. So Kisk and the rest of those ones that passed away were taken to, uh, let's see if I can find it. They were taken to Bellevue Hospital for dissection. They were dissected. They, their organs were examined one by one. Not only that, their brains were examined. The eyes, they basically like cataloged everything about them. Then they took the, skin, like the flesh off of them examined that, then bleached the bones and put them on display. And they had been there since Kisk had passed away. Wow. So he like hardcore never went to that section. Hardcore never went. And Wallace, his adopted dad, lets him know that he was part of it. He was there when the bones were cleaned. That's like a betrayal of like, I don't know, just the ultimate betrayal it breaks my heart. I mean, not only did this kid have everything ripped from him, it's like all over again, but mm-hmm. worse. Minnick, when he learns about this, per, like protests to his uh, to his dad saying, like his adopted dad, like, we need to get those bones back home. I want this fixed. And his dad agrees because, yeah, you did a shitty thing. Yeah, at least he's like, all right, I need to make this right. And not only that, uh, you know, Minnick asked him, were you ever going to tell me? about this and his dad just you know sadly says i was hoping you never would find out so he's unsuccessful and uh you know everybody just ignores him no one really cares i mean reporters come and they talk so to they him. don't try to get the bones back they they don't listen to minnick minnick's like 16 now yeah and he's like oh this teenage angst whatever um and he's like you this country is crazy Y'all are crazy. Everyone here is like some weird scientific devil. Like, oh my gosh, like y'all are... Like, where's the compassion? Where's the human decency? Like, you're doing this on the name of science. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand. But like, that's someone's dad. You stole them from their... That's not the first time. But they stole them from their country and their home. It's just so sad. And lied to Mm -hmm. a kid and put his whole facade, this whole like little charade just for him. Um, and Minnick just is like, I, where's Robert Perry? This is Robert Perry's I kill fault. him. <laughs> it's his fault. He needs to fix this. And he like uses the press that's like attracted to him mm-hmm. to turn that to Robert Perry. Yeah. So um, his wife is like super embarrassed by this and is like, oh, why Robert? She pays for Minnick to go back home to Greenland. It's been like 12 years since he's been there. Uh, he loves New York, by the way. I mean, he dresses like them, loves the culture, has mm-hmm. been used to the hustle. So did he go back there to live back there again? He, that's what his plan was, yeah. Um, but and, his tribe wasn't there anymore, huh? Well, so in his head, he had been thinking about it since he was seven, going home and seeing everybody. Yeah. And like have built it up to be like the be-all to end-all. So he makes the trip, and when he gets back there, it's not the same people, and they don't care. Yeah. They don't know who he is. And not only that, he doesn't understand them. Oh. And he, and he doesn't know how to hunt anymore. And he, and he doesn't know how to do all that basic stuff he could before. And all the survival training that you get taught as a young kid by your fellow yeah. leaders. So these people are just like, you're like us, but you're different. You don't belong here. So he doesn't belong in New York, he doesn't belong in his village. 
he's alone. So Minnick, for a couple years, kind of travels about and realizes that as much as Greenland and as disappointing as this whole thing has been, he New misses York is his home. He misses. So New he York. was in Greenland for a couple years. Like yeah, like a year or two. He trying, tried. Yeah, he tried, and when not when he couldn't assimilate back yeah. into that tribe, um, he kind of just sold himself off as like a um, a translator, like what Robert had. Yeah. And he was actually really good at what he did. When he comes to make that choice to move back, he's like, I'm still not going to give up. I'm still going to try to get my dad's body back. Um, so he winds up in 1917 traveling back to New York where he gets like a job in like a lumber field kind mm -hmm. of like off at the top um meets like a family they become really close and uh in 1918 the f influenza pandemic happened oh shit and is it the spanish flu spanish flu there we go sorry no spanish flu and minute gets it oh no and he dies oh my god at age 26 Oh, my God. Never got to take his dad's body home, died completely alone, um, and is buried, like, in that area. Um, and that tale, this whole thing kind of goes on for decades without a blip, a sound, until about 1992, a book is released. Mm -hmm. um, this book is released uh, by a guy named Ken Harper. So this guy is like a amateur historian. History fangirl. Ooh, <laughs> what's up? So his his wife is of Inuit descendants, and um, those bones are still in that museum at the time. Oh, my God. Still it, all that time? All that time. And not only that, the meteors are, the meteorites yeah. are there. And the meteorites have been declared by, like, so-and-so. Like, you know, Robert discovered this. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's nothing of Minnick. So when that comes to be known to his wife, Ken's wife is like, no, mm -hmm. like this is not what really happened. So Ken Harper goes, starts researching and develops this book called Give Me My Father's Body. Mm, baby. This book makes headlines all over the place. And it gets the attention of the Museum of Natural History in New York. Damn, that's like a big deal. Huge deal. And people are rallying. Send them home. Send those bodies home. How dare you do this? They don't this? belong there. It's this. Those don't belong to you. Like, you guys are monsters and you have to fix this. The museum kind of, like, protested at the time um, and was like, I don't know. But they wind up agreeing and saying, okay, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll send the bodies back. So in July of 1993... Let's see, 99 years. <laughs> no. Mm, July of 1993. I can't do math. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah. But basically, like, in less than 100 years, they finally get to go home. They send a, a little plaque with uh, help with the – they have help with the Air Force to drop off the bodies, and they put a gold plaque on their new burial spot saying they have come home. Oh. I mean, it's – Better late than never, I guess. Mm -hmm. But still, oh, God. And that is the story of Minnick and the Iron Mountain. Wow. That was really good. I've never heard that story before. But, it, I mean, horrid history doesn't always have to be gruesome or gore or torture. Mm -hmm. You know, it could just be the horribleness of humanity and greed. And I think that's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. Uh, you can read about Minnick. There's um, a lot of my sources are actually about. Do we have any pictures of him? Uh, yes. Um, we'll we, post them on the thing. He's very. He's a very sweet, handsome guy. Um, and he does give um interviews to these articles that are out. So you guys can actually go read, uh, different things. So that's um, Minnick Wallace, I guess. Mm -hmm. Minnick Wallace. Yeah, that's little him. That's so crazy. But good job. That was really good. I'm glad you guys liked that a lot because the story kind of really, I wanted to know who Minnick was and like just hearing about it. I yeah, was like, his story. It's just crazy. All this over meteorites, you know, like it's 
crazy. You can go see these meteorites still. They still have them in New York? They still have them in New York. Um, I kind of, actually, I think they may have moved them, but the last, yeah, they're still on display. You can go see them. And actually, there are Minnick Wallace exhibits. You can go see and see photos of him um, in different museums, especially uh, when 2018 happened, that 100-year mark. A lot of museums did exhibits about Good. him. He needs to make, he needs to be known for sure. I tried really hard not to cry. I want to <sighs> cry, kind of. <sighs> Good job. Thanks. Um, ah, that's a heavy hitter. All right. If you guys are still with us, thanks for listening. Uh, go on to our Instagram page. Yeah. Give us a- we'll have some pictures of today's episodes. Give us a suggestion for a future story, possibly. Yes. Actually, yeah. If you guys have any horrible stories from history, feel free to- Send them our way. Yeah. We'll do some research on it. Absolutely. Uh, well, leave us a review. We'll give a shout out. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. So- yeah, we'll wrap it up. We won't yeah. we won't continue. <laughs> well, we'll see you next week. Bye guys.